another edition of the Deeper Dive podcast, produced locally in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in the Plain of Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell, once again joined by Father Larry Swink. Hey, Bill. And Father Jack Berard. Hey, Bill. And by popular demand, uh, Seminarians Ray. What's up, Bill? <laughs> Jack. Hello, Bill. And Benedict. Hey, Bill. Welcome back, guys. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, the Incarnation uh, with Christmas up, uh, upon us, uh, Father Larry. All right. Thanks, Bill. So when we were discerning what we should talk about, it just seemed like it would be kind of dumb if we didn't talk about Christmas, being that Christmas is a week from tomorrow, and we haven't talked about Christmas. And the most important thing that's happened in history of the world or, is that God became a man. That's what the word incarnation means, that the Lord took on human flesh, as in John says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we thought we'd kind of talk a little bit about uh, what does that mean? Because I don't think we, as much as we talk about what Jesus says and we talk about, you know, what he teaches us, I don't think we ever talk about him a lot or even think about Jesus and himself. You know, like even when we talk about, you know, one of the, one of the most, um, uh, you know, when they have, you know, Trinity Sunday is probably for a preacher should be the most exciting, but it's not because we never talk about God and himself. So, uh, Let's start off with seminarians here. Um, like, what is the whole incarnation thing? God becoming a man. Um, we'll go into a little bit of theology, but what does that mean to you? Thanks for the very specific and delimited question there. Thanks. That was really, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, we're, go, I, we're going I, deeper here. We're going deeper. <laughs> we're yeah, diving. Very, yeah. You got to um, start at the top, though, you know? That's right. Um, I, I think that, I remember at the seminary, maybe two years ago, I think, uh, our spiritual director gave a homily as we were heading off to Christmas break. Um, and he was basically, I mean, just making a very simple point that like really the feast of the incarnation in a certain sense is, is the annunciation right. is, is when um, Jesus was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Wait, hold and on a second. Christmas, Christmas, what's that in Latin father, Jack? What annunciation? Or no, you, no, no, no. The word became flies. Verum carum facum. Okay, yeah, yeah, also I just yeah. want to know. Go ahead. <laughs> Not that we're testing do, each other in do Latin. Do all these of the days. Latin questions just go to Father Jack? Is well, well we can try it with Father Larry, but okay. we're going to be allowed to air. We have an independent fact checker too that, that checks all of this Latin. <laughs> is it is it racist? Because you could spit anything. Out of <laughs> But yeah, the, the the simple point that that the incarnation, the Annunciation is the feast of the incarnation, and the and Christmas is the feast of the incarnation, but in the sense of it becoming manifest and visible to the world. Right. That like, I mean, yes, Jesus became flesh nine months earlier, but this is when when the world is able to experience that Jesus did in fact become a man, and the beginning of that revelation of like what well what what is the father's will what is um what is god's desire for humanity what is his uh, and I, I think that's kind of the starting point of of at least for me as i like encounter that in the scriptures okay like in the person of jesus how am i able to receive you know what the father is giving to me and what he is is pouring out to humanity right awesome um <clears throat> you know the the cat uh the church fathers, you know, they talk about the incarnation and they say how, I mean, we know this, is that Jesus is both 100% God, 100% man, and the two 
these two natures are united. And I, I actually have a, this is a deeper question because I, I was, I didn't, I was trying to figure this out myself, Father Jack. But what does it mean that, I mean, it's one, two persons, two natures in one God, right? Or mm-hmm. in one. So how do you, what does that mean in terms of united? Yeah. So like the nature of that union is is part of of the great question of like how how deep does this uh, incarnation go, right? Because and and Aquinas uh, addresses it and he says this is is this just an assumption? Does this guy just kind of assume a flesh that would have existed anyway? And he's like, right. no, no, that doesn't work. That's not enough. That's not, you know, we would probably say in, in maybe more modern psychology, uh, that's not intimate enough. That that God didn't God didn't just take on like a, a shell, but He took on every aspect of of who we are. And there's there's a lot of humility, and I think the fathers love using the word condensation. Right. Um, or kenosis too, right? Empty, well, yeah, empty. yeah. Which is that's usually reserved for the cross, but yeah, absolutely. Like I think it it absolutely applies that you know everyone kind of forgets that the cross is kind of um, it's revelatory and it's and it's what God decided to do, but it's not a hundred percent necessary. Right? It's not necessary like the incarnation is. The incarnation is what's necessary for our salvation because that's the atonement, is that uh, the obedience of what uh, the human flesh was able to do in, in like the first breaths of the child Jesus was enough to satisfy what God desired. But, but the, the cross is just the revelation to us of, of exactly how, how deep that depth goes. So like Christmas has this much more powerful, uh, you know, kind of understanding than we usually give it. So what's, what's the, what's the depth of the union? It's, it's absolute. And, and it's almost, it's a grace, but it's almost indistinguishable um, in terms of like who Christ is, um, who Jesus, the, the man was. Okay. Okay. And uh, so let me, let me slow down here. A yeah. little bit. So you said yeah. that the incarnation in some ways was the salvation, not the cross. I mean, like, well, not, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm just trying right, to reword Right, right, right. Yeah, that is, then, yeah, no, and that's true to an extent, right? Because, okay. because what is, what is willed, what is actively willed by God on the cross? It's not the death, right? Because death's an evil. Like, there's something lacking. God doesn't, God never wills an evil. What does God will but obedience? That's that's the good that God is 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 calling out of, of all of humanity through Christ on the cross. So we see it and there, there's no denying it. Like if, if if God had existed for a week in the child Jesus, it would have been enough for our salvation, but we probably wouldn't have known it. We would have we would have definitely like as bad as we think Christianity is right now in terms of convincing the rest of the world, it would have been even harder if he didn't go to the cross for us. Mm. But but in terms of what is needed, like the uniting of the natures of of God and humanity, that's that's what's it. That's what right. brings us to to eternal life. Gotcha. Okay. And the cross is a manifestation of the extreme amount of love. Exactly. In that yeah, yeah. We're not we're not uh <laughs> I am definitely not going to say that the cross is unimportant. It's just that uh it's not it's not to the extreme necessity that sometimes uh, right. a Protestant would uh, with a different sense of what is atonement would, would right. do that. And even in the, in the, in the Christmas narratives, there's a lot of connections between the, you know, like from the moment Jesus is born on Christmas and to his cross. And one is, you know, the church fathers talk about the manger, 
you know, that the manger, when Mary laid Jesus on the wood of the manger, that it was also kind of symbolic of that he one day lay on the cross for the salvation, for the, for our, the expiation for our sins. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of, and then there's the wrapping, the wrapping of Jesus with the swaddling clothes. They used to do that with lambs that would be sacrificed when they were first born. So there's a lot of sort of, but it wouldn't happen unless he was on earth. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole beginning. And, he, and Fulton Sheen makes the point that, that when Jesus is born, he's the only baby born to die. Like this is, that's, that's you know, his mission is to die right. for us. Um, you know, I know this is, maybe it sounds stupid, but I was, you know, walking across the park and it's freezing cold and it's like wet and nasty. And, and I thought me, Jesus Christ walked through wet, nasty, you know, rainy days in Jerusalem. And I think one of the things that, you know, about the incarnation is that he shares everything with, with us except sin. And so with his human nature, he experienced hunger, thirst, fatigue, and pain. You know, um, what, what is that? Right. We'll give you some nuggets on that. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's kind of a, Athanasius talks about this. St. Athanasius talks about this a lot. One of our uh, favorite saints out here. Uh, and, and one of the thing, one of the reasons he points to like kind of these three big reasons why Jesus assumes human flesh. And one of them is, uh, you know, of course, to reconcile us with God, but also to make us like unto God himself. Right. So it's kind of this this dual thing happening where yes, he's becoming like man, but but really only so that he can he can ultimately draw us back up to the Father. So he can make us more perfectly ourselves. Um and, and going back to the manger thing real quick, I think there's a fun like Eucharistic thing that's almost happening there too, where you can see like Jesus kind of sitting in the place where the where the animals eat, where we're we're actually partaking in uh, you know, like he, he becomes our real food, like his flesh and blood become our real food and drink. Right. Uh, when we're just taking this part of like animals, you know, just, uh, just grazing in this manger. Right. 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 And in Bethlehem, it means house of bread. It all, it all comes together. Um, you know, I, it, the other thing is, let's go back to that point. You said that, uh, God became man so we can become like God. That's a, a famous Athanasius line. And, um, uh, so, that essentially what we're talking about here is that God takes on our human flesh, but in return, you know, and through baptism, we partake in his divine nature. Right. And I think too, this is, this is like an interesting point. I think for, especially for us priest and future priest is helping people understand the importance of grace. Because I think too, is like in today's society, a lot of people have kind of given up on holiness because I don't think it, they think it's possible. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, I mean, they, you know, or I mean, how many, or I'm never, I can never be a saint or uh, everyone's doing it. So why would I be stand out? So how, I mean, I guess the other thing too is for, you know, you guys are younger. Do you think the younger generation cares that Jesus became a man? Like, I mean, just outside of the seminary. <laughs> I have, of course, hopefully you do, but like, yeah. like you're like, in the uh, seminary. Pro- yeah. Most, sure. Most no, but I'm saying, I'm <laughs> saying, but outside <laughs> of the seminary, like let's, let's, let's go deeper here. I mean, do people really, I mean, let's not be honest. I mean, people, you know, you look at, I mean, I've been a priest, you know, for 14, 15 years now. And like basically on Christmas Eve, you've got all the families and the kids are sitting there like this with their arms crossed, just kind of breathing heavily, looking up and just waiting for the homily to be over the parents are like, you know, kind of giving that look like, hey, would you just act like you're 
enjoying this because they're not enjoying it either. I mean, it's like, where's the disconnect? Like, why, why do people, I mean, you know what I mean? Do people, I mean, do people even care that God became a man? Yeah. I think at least in, in my own experience, um, growing up, I think part of the, part of the problem was, was not so much like the emphasis on, oh yeah, you know, God became a man, but really that like a lot of people who taught me and who formed me uh, um, and, and certainly who taught and formed a lot of the people I, I spent time with overemphasized like that Jesus was a man, you know, right. and kind of just, well, I mean, I, yeah, I guess he was God. I, it maybe, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and that there, there's kind of a, there's a, there's a real, I mean, I've, like you, did have, you have you a have picture have of the laughing Jesus at home? No, but I know, I know the one. I know my exactly lead, the one. That's my lead, one, didn't No, you? I don't. No, because we, we used to have, we had yeah, one. You have one Father, right now, right? No, so Father I, Bob and I kept like putting it back at each other. <laughs> like we kept like, we could, we, we like, and it was in the hallway. And then one day I hung it in his room when he was gone for vacation. And then like, then like it would always pop up. Like you like open up a drawer and there would be the laughing Jesus picture. Yeah. But you it was know, just. You know where that's proudly displayed. I just saw it last week again. Where? At Loyola. Oh. Yes, yes, it is. In the, we, in the so stairwell. We, <laughs> the laughing Jesus. There's no, I mean, I'm not, t- I mean, of course Jesus laughed, but, but it's just sort of like, ha, 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 Jesus, he's so funny, you know, laugh, he laughs a lot. He's so human. Right. I mean, it's like, like it's the sense of like, God isn't, like, Jesus isn't your buddy. I mean, right. he, he's, I mean, we do talk about like friendship with Christ. Right. But he's not like your sort of like bud that you just kind of sit down and like joke around with. And, right. But he, I guess, uh, I mean, going off what you were saying, Benedict, about like, um, yeah, being raised and and you know, emphasis can be put on like explaining that okay, God became man, but then the question is like, okay, well, why does that actually matter to me? Which I guess is what you were sort of right. Fathers, um, I guess maybe we don't put enough emphasis on the fact that like, God became man so that you can become God. Right. The other half of the Athanasius quote is holiness. Um, I mean, and just kind of breaking open what that means is obviously kind of like a lifelong project right i don't really know exactly what it means but to become like christ right yeah Yeah. and that's one of the i mean in the catechism of the catholic church it makes this point it says in 459 is that the word became flesh to be our model of holiness and um and so i mean that one line alone is the model of like and that's a whole question is like okay what what is holiness and people equate it today it's like well you know to be kind and nice to people and you know uh you know give give to the poor and these types of things but there's not this idea of like loving in the way that christ loved completely you know this total you know go ahead yeah. you, and, and I, I was talking to a buddy this past weekend uh not jesus you know a buddy though he's Some, your something else um and it was we, we were making this great he was he was making this awesome distinction just between like between pagan goodness and pagan virtue and like Christian holiness and how different those things actually are, you know, from each other. And we're, we're like, we, we kind of have a, especially in America, I think, cause we're a little bit Pelagian, a lot Pelagian. We, yeah. we have Explain this Explain that to, to the people out there. What so does that mean? pagan goodness in, in just like the sense of a, maybe, you know, Aristotle, Plato, the, the classical philosophers, the Stoics, you know, virtue ethics, the four, cardinal virtues, right. all those things like th- that can, you can live a good life 
on a natural level. Jocko Willink. Jocko Willink. Great example yeah. of ex- just get out of bed excessive natural at 4.30 virtue. and yeah. you're going to be the best Run a person. marathon every single morning. Right. Raw discipline, which yeah. are all, these are all, these are all fantastic things. And they're all things that absolutely have a place in, not just a place in the Christian life, but are, are a huge part of it. Right. Not, I mean, not running a marathon every day, but That's you know, dis- discipline, <laughs> uh, self-discipline. I don't, I've the never guy run died at the end of the first marathon. That's all I'm going to say about <laughs> it. Okay? I don't know if everyone, like nobody remembers Speaking that of the part Greeks, of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that those things, like without Jesus, all of those beautiful elements of natural virtue, now that Jesus has come into the world and has offered us his life, like he is actually continuously desiring to give himself to us and to live his life in and through us and, and communicate grace and, and his life to us. That's can't be enough anymore. Natural virtue cannot be the only thing. And that, that's right. not even possible. And living only according to natural virtue doesn't get you to heaven. I mean, you will not right. inherit eternal life if that's all that's going on. Right. So opening those things up to, I mean, the sanctity that Christ offers in, in, coming into the world, we can actually become like God, which is something far beyond natural virtue. Right. So kind of sort of piggybacking what you're saying there, Benedict, is that um, it seems like today people might not see a need for Jesus because it's just, well, as long as I do X, Y, and Z, as long as I can hold a job down, I can maintain a marriage, uh, you know, decently. Be a good person. Be a good person. I can work out and these types of things. I don't I really, to the poor, what do I need? You know. But it's, but it's also not acknowledgement of one's sinfulness and weakness and poverty. And the, I mean, the fact and the, that the, the thing that we, we really are broken and not just broken in terms of like, after the fact, like from our own actual sin, the things that we've done over the course of our life, right. but no matter how good of a life you've lived metaphysically, like we depend completely on God. Like God has created us and we cannot ever repay him of ourselves. You know, like that's not actually within our own power. And that's something that in offering our lives and in receiving completely the life of Christ, we're able to return thanks in a way that we could not on a natural level. Okay. Here's a question that came up uh, with someone asked is, can we love God perfectly and love like Christ perfectly while on earth? Yeah, go ahead. Probably the answer is yes, um, but it's not. It's not done on our own, right? Like so. That's the thing is that um, it it goes back to uh, what is what is the the nature of man, and and you know, I know that we usually don't reference Karl Rahner, but he does have a good point in that uh, in that he like we're created in a way that we would be able to worship God, like and that we're able to be. Uh, both conduits and receptors of grace in a way that no other creature can do, right? That, that you don't see deer being redeemed, you know? Uh, you don't see... Uh, Only one follow there, he goes hunting. <laughs> they ain't redeemed. I baptize them with blood. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. Um, <laughs> no, like like no other creature has has, has that ability to, to, to receive grace, to, to take the same shape as, as what God took shape of, which is man. Um, right. And so, like, can we love God perfectly on this earth? Yes. Is it on our own power? No. No. Right? Like, that's the key, is that that's where this grace comes in. And and speaking of other church fathers, the Cappadocian fathers, who are these three early church fathers, have these great, great line of, uh, that which is not uh, assumed is not redeemed. Right? So that's that's the level in which Christ 
incarnation takes place is that he takes on every aspect of of our nature. Our every he had you know ten fingers, ten toes, you know two arms, two legs. He had a soul. He had passions. He had a will and an intellect. He had freedom. He had all of it. And because of that, it can all be redeemed and be perfected like we were created to be in Adam and Eve, that there was this original justice that has been lost. And that's part of what this incarnation reestablishes. Even though it's not the same in the exact temporal, chronological understanding of it, but but that it is meant to be this, this perfection that is needed to be redeemed to put that relationship back uh, where it was meant to be. Right. Um, that we can't, that as Benedict was saying, you, we just can't do on our own. We try, but uh, even, even the best fall mm-hmm. short. Right. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so Jesus had in his human nature, divine nature, a human will and a divine will. Right. And uh, he had a, a human intellect, and a divine intellect. Okay, I right, here's a question that I can't get a straight answer from. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's the it's the question about when Jesus was like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Did he know he was God? Yeah, yeah. In his humanity, right? And I mean, so so in terms of of revelation, church to church dogma, I don't think there is a firm answer. Okay, uh, there's a lot of speculation as to. So for our, for our listeners, like I hope you. I mean, you don't don't hear this wrong. Is like, remember, Jesus is true God and true man, right? And uh, of course, in his divinity, he's God. He is God. He knows he's God. That's not the point. But as a human that has this separate human nature, it says, I think it's in the in the Gospels where he grew in wisdom, yeah. and so he and, th- and there was and so he was. I mean, like all of us, he was taught certain things by Saint Joseph and Our Lady. You know, he was. You know, he learned experientially like the rest of us as a baby. So the question is, like, when was it like, or can you even answer that question in his humanity, like, I'm God? Right, and, and and that's the thing, is that there there isn't there doesn't seem to be a definitive moment. And and there is a sense in which we know that his human nature does not, or his human intellect, I should say, does not have access to the totality of divine knowledge. Be, and, and how do we know that? Because not even the Son of Man knows when he will come again. Right, so does not know the day or the hour in which he will come again. So we're we're a hundred percent certain that there were things that human knowledge did not have. That that we can be certain. So of. he was limited in his human nature, like, and I'd be very careful because we're talking about God, right, right? But he was limited in his human nature from certain things. Go ahead, Benny. But not limited in the sense of. Because I think when, at least when I hear the word limited, usually right. I think of, okay, there's a certain amount of capacity and someone like chopped off part of it. And so it's less than it could have been. Yeah. We have to understand with It's like a Jesus. car, a car has, uh, most cars, they, if you have a turbine, they like stop it at a certain amount. I mean, it could go right. much faster, sure. but they, yeah. com- they program it so it only goes so fast. Exactly. Like that, that's a great example where it's, where it's um, like with the Lord, he had, he was absolutely the, the most perfect human intellect that has ever existed. The perfect human intellect. Well, is intellect itself. But the intellect, like as a created thing, humanity, right. is humanity, uh, it is limited in that regard. It can't be infinite. It can't be, it, it must be finite in some way. So it's not to say that his intellect was limited in certain ways is not to say that uh, he, you know, I mean, there was like some things that, 
God just decided to that the Father just decided to hide from him but or something. That, but like that's that. exactly it. Is that it's a, it's a freely chosen limitation for right. the sake of something right. greater. It's part of that emptying himself. Exactly. So like like we we freely choose to to limit ourselves often, right? Did you have a fifth glass of wine at lunch today? No. Why? Because that would have ruined you for the rest of the day. Right. Yeah. That was free Bill, well. that wasn't to you. Don't worry. Um, but like, like, you know, like you just think that like, now we, that I know we're yeah. counting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that like we freely choose limitations for the sake of a greater good. Right. Celibacy would be a great example that like, no, I mean, nobody told me I absolutely had to do it. It just was, it was freely taken on for the sake of, of something greater that, that like, that's what Christ did in his human intellect. That being said, we know that, that and this is revealing of what the human nature is, is that we know that he had access to special graces that most people didn't have. Why Think about things like the woman at the well. Right. Right? He shouldn't have known that. He shouldn't have known how many husbands she had, but he did. That's a grace. That's him being able to access the divine intellect. Was that his divine, his divine nature kind of influences his, his hum, human nature? Yeah, absolutely. Bit, like, right? he, yeah, like, th- but that's us is that we have access well, we, because of grace, you know, uh, to, to greater wisdom and knowledge than, than we would under normal circumstances and under no natural abilities. Right. How much do you think Jesus could bench press? All of it. <laughs> Great answer. I hope Ray never speaks again. Not, not because that was a bad answer, because I well, only want his entire response. Well, to you know, I mean, yeah, because I mean, here's the other thing too: is in his humanity, like, do you think he was the perfect man? Uh, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, in terms of like, he was. No, I mean, no, not no, no. All seriousness, like, I mean, I mean, he was probably an amazing, could have been an amazing athlete. It's like, I mean, I was thinking about this too. Is like, you know, it's your pick and kickball team. And it's like, I got Jesus, you know, wait a minute. Kickball. He's probably never picked last. <laughs> There's yeah, no yeah, way. There's no way he was but, picked last. But the first will be last. And the last will be first. So. <laughs> Unless he like, like acted like he wasn't good. Just to I hunt. have a, I have a friend. At, His Latin uh, was flawless. Latin. <laughs> it's better Latin better was... than Father Jack's. I'm okay with that. I don't that's, know why. Yeah, like, I mean, was that supposed <laughs> to be a put down? Like, I don't get it. I am glad that Jesus is better than me at something. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I had a friend at, at CU way who one time we were yeah we were talking about like <laughs> the hidden life of christ like you know maybe around the time he was found in the temple or whatever okay benedict <laughs> your friends are really weird like she, your conversations <laughs> <are>. <laughs> she she was like yeah i wonder like probably all the girls in you know like where he lived were like man this guy is really this guy's awesome you know there were probably a bunch of gals around there who were like totally in love with him and it was i was always like yeah i I mean, you know, I haven't thought of that really before, but like there there are a lot of angles on like the perfection of his humanity that like that are definitely the case that as you kind of draw that out. Did you ever hear about this? um, You know, one of the questions, what do you look like? You know, like and and we don't really have a picture of Jesus Christ. Maybe that's on purpose. Right. So oh, he has blonde hair and blue eyes. Okay, yeah. everyone knows that. Uh, I uh, mean, and then but I mean, is we it, do have like the veil, and we have the right. The, what's it called in the in Turin, the shroud? Yeah, that have yeah. Uh, give us give us clues as to what he looked like, you know, and right. And then yeah. there's that you know you ever been to Italy and they have that one shrine where it has the face of Jesus, and I I, I it's my least favorite place to go because like the face looks so ridiculous. And like that's the face of you know what I'm talking about. Unlike the basilica, what are you talking about yeah. no, there, it's in it's in Italy. It's like there is it was some kind of it was some. You're not talking about St. Paul's outside the walls, are you? No, oh. no, no, no. It's I'll, I'll have to. That's a cool historical reason for why the face looks ridiculous. It was okay. a fire. It like caused oh. the face to oh, elongate. What? It's really kind of funny. Uh, yeah. 
But anyway, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, wait. Then there's the movie Heaven Is for Real, which I know we don't know if that's true. But <laughs> hold on, hold on. I got I got a point here. And then apparently there was a girl who was her parents were atheist, and she had uh, she had visions of like eternal. You know about this visions of heaven, and she drew this man's face. And when they showed the kid, he's like, "Yeah, that's Jesus." And uh, you can find this online. Do you do you know anything about that? Yeah, well, I, I've seen the picture before. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of it because he kind of has kind of like wind, like wind, wind yeah. Wind. He looks like he looks like he, like like he was riding his jeep all day, you know, <laughs> <laughs> with the, with the rag top down. You know, it's just a dumb look. It's, it's like, but go ahead. I mean, that's all I had. Yeah. I've seen it before. Yeah. All right. Um, let's get back to what we were talking about. The other Bench thing. Press. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- I mean, the thing is, he was a carpenter. I think like. My argument is like, Jesus is probably a great athlete. Yeah, but not like an excessive. Because it's the question even of like, I've been thinking about this bench press press question ever since you asked. It, you know? <laughs> the thing, see the how thing we bring is, this deeper. The thing this is, is like, this isn't deep. <laughs> well, Father Jack, here's the problem: like, is perfection on the bench press? Is human perfection on the bench press like being able to throw up 700 pounds? Like, probably not. That's like kind of inordinate. The amount of like work, the amount of like, you know just fat you'd have to gain and stuff in order to get to that point is pretty absurd, you know, but also being like where father Jack is and only being able to put up like 55 pounds is probably not healthy either. So we're probably like, probably somewhere in between that. I'm going to guess. Yeah. Ray, I'm not even offended by that. (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's focus here. All right. So now the other thing I found out, this is, no, this is going deeper for sure. Is that the fathers say that Jesus never got sick. Like, this is it. Did you guys know that? Yes. Okay. Father Jack, no. And St. Athanasius, it says, it would be unbecoming that uh, he should heal others who he himself was not healed. So I, I, I didn't know that until uh, recently, is that Jesus never got physically sick. Right. Now, what? why would that be? I mean, sickness is an imperfection. Like, I mean, it's just by its nature, right? That if... if uh, and it's uh, and oftentimes if we think of of where sickness really comes from, the revelation would would put it at in Genesis. It's part of the lack of of original ju- the loss of original justice, right. right? Just like just like there's a debate about um, how much did Mary experience, like even in terms of birth pains, right? Because that's that's explicit, like that your the pains at birth will be um, will be whatever magnified. Um, in, but that was said to Eve. So when Mary, who is immaculately conceived, does she have birth pains? Well, so then, of course, it, looking at that same line of thought, if Christ is perfect, has no sin, obviously was born without original sin, never committed actual sin, um, what, what is he being punished for? In fact, he is the perfect uh, <laughs> perfect lamb without blemish. Well, you know, most of the time, uh, especially a severe illness, would leaves would a little mark you. on you. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, like... Um, you know, or, or even, even like cold, like you see somebody a day after a cold, like their eyes are a little puffy or something like that. Like, um, so of course, like it it just, it only makes sense. It would only be fitting for Christ never to have experienced, uh, that suffering. Not So you're saying guys in their forties who have hip replacement surgery are weak. Is that what I'm I'm not? I, I, I don't like when people, how did I know know that was coming? How did I know that was coming? Cause, cause Ray here and he brings the charity down so much. It's like my bench press, evidently. <laughs> let's let's start there. <laughs> so, all right, and um, now he would have Jesus Christ would have gotten old and died if he had not died on the cross. Is another thing because he would have 
died a natural death. I mean, obviously that's totally out of the realm of possibility because that's not what happened. But, but he, and I think going back to this is like, there's certain things that he shares everything with us except sin. And I, going back to the sickness thing, a person actually could go throughout their whole life and not get sick. I mean, there could be human persons alive that never got sick, correct? I mean, that, you think that's ever historically happened? Possibly. I mean, it's possible. Right. Sure. So it's like to say he didn't, like, we, but the one thing that everyone experiences is pain at mm-hmm. times, fatigue, mm-hmm. um, you know, aging, uh, and, and these types of things. But sickness is not something that everyone gets sick, right? Right. So, okay. Yeah. Well, and, but wouldn't even some of those things, I mean, wouldn't we say those were also kind of like a result of original sin? Like when we bring up the sickness thing, all I could think of was like, you know, when, when Jesus was in the carpenter shop, did he ever like make a mistake and like cut himself or like, I don't know, hit Probably his not. thumb with a hammer? Probably not. Yeah. So is the idea that like, I guess he didn't experience any like kind of suffering until the passion in terms of like... Well, he definitely experienced, I mean, it, it depends on what we mean by suffering. I mean, like, because obviously... He had emotional suffering, right? Jesus wept at the Lazarus, at the death of Lazarus, right? So it's it's we know that he could experience suffering. It wasn't, but in terms of um, imperfections, in terms of what he did, I mean, yeah, you know, the guy who you know is the carpenter who you know nicks you know nicks a corner is not committing a sin, but but to Christ, wouldn't that have been the same, right? Like his actions were always going to be perfect uh, and and impeccable, you know, so. Father, I guess the question that we're circling around is like, though we know Jesus was was spared from sin itself, was he spared from all of the effects of sin? Because when we're saying that he's going to die a natural death, mm-hmm. he's not spared from that, effect, which is an effect of original sin. Well, and that's that's the that's the interesting thing is is well, there are there are what debates about, about temptation? whether yeah, well, definitely not temptation, right? The beginning of his ministry, he's he's tempted in the desert, so he could be tempted. He easily could be tempted because that's that, especially because the temptations he experienced were external to him. Right, so okay. that's that's so where it gets. Explain it, the difference. So, so our temptations we usually uh, ascribe to three things: the world, the flesh, and the devil. Right, right. So the world would be the the culture and those kind of things. You know, just just you know, do whatever. Right, that that happens all the time. Um, you know, just buy the new iPhone. That's what you absolutely need. Do you really, or is that just a waste? Right. Um, Christ would have definitely felt those temptations. Right. He still lived in the world. He would have felt those in terms of the flesh. Sometimes things just come from within us. Right. The the person who is unable to to handle the 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 cookies on the table or the you know whatever the extra serving of of whatever it is like th- those are internal desires that is just hard to overcome and then there are you know demonic temptations like we we see those in in various sorts of ways um, Christ we know from Revelation experienced those um, ex- those demonic temptations uh, at the beginning of his ministry. There's absolute. There's no reason to think that he didn't experience worldly temptations, um, but those internal temptations would be from a disordered desire, right? Which wouldn't have existed in Christ, right? Now, in terms of death, death becomes and that an goes. That's why remember, remember, like I mean, you were probably too young to this, but when I was in, I think it was high school or maybe college, that movie came out called The Last Temptation of Christ, and I remember the priest. Yeah, like, do you remember this, Bill? And like priests were like, don't watch it, you know. And it was like this big because it was, it was ba- the Willem Dafoe movie, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like this whole thing where like he was being tempted by Mary Magdalene, blah blah blah. And it was like you guys, were, you guys were probably babies when that came out. We actually uh, watched this in a class at CUA. You did part of it, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, interesting. <laughs> but um, but the point is that would have never happened because right. Jesus does not. He's not tempted like we are right. in the same way because he doesn't have concupiscence. He doesn't have. I mean, he's, he's God too, and it just be, would just not. It just he's perfection. He's a perfect man. And 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 this is what I think we miss sometimes is what. When God becomes man and, and is, I think as the catechism says, a model for our holiness is that there's nothing within our nature that says that we cannot become perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, says it in Matthew 5, 45, right? That, that that is what is held out to us and that we can be cooperators with his grace so that we can be as perfect in terms of even our temptations mm-hmm. are not serious right they're they're right. there uh, but but we don't have to fall into them and they don't have to spring from within us like when they well up within us it's harder to fight off i think than than when they're external right, right. um and so that's what christ, like christ did and and, and it, it's just something that like sometimes we just don't remember the fact that like no this is this even what christ did was because of grace it was because of something that um like you know, the, and that's something that is totally accessible to us because of what he did, because of this incarnation and uh, obedience that he perfected um, throughout his life and on the cross. Um, right, right. Actually, the incarnation has one of my favorite speculative theological questions: was does the incarnation happen without the fall? Right, which which expresses a, yeah, yeah. Ray's laughing because he didn't understand two thirds of those words, but uh, <laughs> that and those were in English. Payback. <laughs> that that is is does does Christ walk the earth if Adam and Eve don't fall? And and there are two well, incarnations. That's a four syllable word. Yeah, I know, that's, I know. And down, we haven't even written it down. down. That was in English too, not Latin. <laughs> so so what do we? Uh, so, so, and it's, it's pretty much my favorite question because there's basically two schools, yes and no. Uh, the no would be Aquinas and the yes would be, I think, Bonaventure usually is the one that's held out. So I think I am of, I am of the Thomistic school that says that there's no reason for, for Christ to become man without the fall, but I know that it is. Or even like the thing at the Easter Vigil, we were talking about this in one of our theology classes of the necessary fall of Adam of like, Necessity of the of the sin itself, and then necessitating like the incarnation. Then, yep, they exalt that. Oh, Felix culpa, oh happy fault. That's Latin. Uh, that it's that the oh. one so great a redeemer for the world, right? That that it's it is an it's a necessary thing for something greater to come out of it, which is that's kind of a Bonaventure idea. Is that we we gained Christ? Like <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but you know, not losing original justice would also have been pretty awesome. I think. Right. You know, the other thing you think about is, you know, you're talking about how the episode where Jesus is at the well and he gets this knowledge, you know, he knows this about the woman. He, he expresses that many times in the scriptures about people. The saints also express that. Mm. Like, in other words, is that sort of them participate? That's the that's a human. When a human, let's say a priest or a saint has these supernatural gifts, okay, these gifts of um, being able to read souls, um, you know, like some saints were able to read hearts. Uh, I mean, they say Father SF has that, that Monsignor SF has that that gift. And that's a partaking in the divine nature of Christ. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right, absolutely. so it's like, there, it's Christ doing it through them. Yeah, yeah. Right, or anything. Well, I mean, even the priesthood, I mean, that's sort of a manifestation of the incarnation. Right. It is, it absolutely Whoa, whoa, did I go deeper? What Ooh. on that one? <laughs> but that's it. That's all of the sacraments are, are by their nature 
incarnational, right? Like they're in the flesh. Like there's a reason why I can't give anointing of the sick over the phone or on an iPad, even in the hospital. This is one of the things that they're trying with COVID people is like that there was one woman, the one nurse, and she was very kind to me. Don't get me wrong. And then she let me in, but she was like, Oh, I'll just put you on the iPad and you can do your prayers. And I said, no, I need to get in there. And she was like, oh, all right, I guess if you want to. And like you anoint like, the iPad. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, but, but people don't understand it that like like being in the flesh, having having it be touched, having a person be touched in such a way is is the reality that we are in. And there is a next level of experience that is impossible to know in the same way on the spiritual, in just a spiritual way. Like, you know, if you ever, have you ever, I don't know, Every once in a while you get that time where, where you're supposed to say, oh, I'll pray for you. And it's different than praying over somebody, mm. you know, that it's just a different experience of, of both God and community and, and true fraternal love that, that like, that's what we're getting at with, with Christ incarnation is it's the same thing. It's the difference between, yeah, I'll get around to it. It'll right. happen. Don't worry about it. And boom, right yeah. now, feel right. it touch in the way that you can learn because man only learns through his senses. Mm. It's, it's impossible for man to, to know anything without it being material. And that's why there's form and matter in sacraments. Exactly. Exactly. This, and that's, that's, this is part of the sacraments are part of the continued incarnation of Christ in the world. All right. Here's a question. And I I know I don't want to run out of time here, but uh, so when it, we always say the priest is in persona Christi Mm -hmm. anytime uh, he does a sacrament. Okay, and future priest over here too. Anytime it's a baptism, you know, you're celebrating mass here in confessions. It's Christ is the only priest. What about a deacon when he celebrates baptism? Is that in person of well, Christi? Well, anybody who who does. anybody who yeah. ministers a sacrament. Right, right. So, so that's the thing is that you got uh when you have uh, uh, you know, even and this is the thing is that uh, you know, this is why these questions kind of come up recently about why can't you baptize we. Right. We baptize. It's because you're not you're not speaking on behalf of the church. You're you're speaking on the behalf of Christ who does the baptizing. Um, so even a person who doesn't believe in Christ can baptize validly and they're standing in the persona. They're Christian. saying I believe I, I baptize, baptize you. you, not we baptize you, or they baptize you, or they would like for you to be baptized. No, this is I baptize you. I'm doing the action, stand in the person of Christ. Did you guys have something over there? Go ahead. Well, I mean couldn't we also say in a different sense of like um, different from the ministerial sense of in the person of Christ, but isn't every baptized person also um, standing in the person of Christ in some respect because of their baptism? You know, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I mean, this was kind of, this came up in a talk a priest was giving about um, what it means for God to love us and have compassion. And a, a student asked a question, um, you know, we say that Christ like, he knows all of my suffering. It's like, how does he actually know that? And the priest brought the point and said, well, I mean, you are baptized, and insofar as Christ lives in you, he is experienced and has lived your life as well. And I guess that w- that's what was in the back of my head as we were talking about all this stuff about Christ's suffering and how much did he actually experience. Um, yeah, like the notion of, I mean, every baptized person is like living out the incarnation in themselves. I mean, it's a pretty, there, there's, um, there's a deeper dive <laughs> right there, but. Well, no, I mean that that goes to the 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 divine exchange, because we're partakers in that divine nature. But he takes upon every baptized person, Jesus takes upon himself their flesh, right? I mean, that, that and gives them back their his divinity. So, yeah, in some ways, yes. I mean, not obviously. <clears throat> I mean, we're talking more in specific modes of operation where 
during during a sacrament, only the priest or deacon minister can do that. But every person is participating with Christ through their baptism. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And that's the that's the whole point of Christmas. Whoa, it circled around. Wow, you know, easy. I had another another thing, but it might it might totally take us off track here. So maybe it's good. I forgot it. Um, Benedict, do you have any closing remarks about the incarnation? None whatsoever. All right, Ray. No, I mean, we just found the real meaning of Christmas. I think we're good to go. <laughs> Ray wanted to say, he wanted to tell everyone, hey, keep Christ in Christmas. That's what he wanted to say. <laughs> the reason for the season, Father. <laughs> he just said, don't say happy holidays. Get rid of those Get rid of those red cups at, you know, whatever coffee shop you go to. <laughs> Why are we so against the red cups? <laughs> like, of all the things to be upset about, yeah. the red cups. I don't know. The, there's red in the church. I don't know. It's not that big deal. Oh yeah, well, why, why is that? Why the red, right of the red in church, the why red, red flowers, the poinsettias during Christmas? I don't know why poinsettia in particular. I mean, red is is kind of uh, just a. I mean, techn- I mean, nor- I mean, traditionally, red would be a color of flesh, right. uh, more than any other color, gotcha. just because of blood, and that's that's how we know we're alive. Flesh and blood bleeding, yeah. So, so I mean, it's like why you walk into St. Peter's. I mean, usually it ends up being more pinkish. Actually, it's kind of a funny. Okay. This is a weird thing, but you know how the, the girls' girls' colors for a baby often are pink and a boy is uh, blue? That was reversed up until about 100 years ago, right? Really? 100 years ago, blue was associated with girls because of Mary, and pink was was red or, or bo- for boys um, because of Christ and his, and his bleeding flesh. And we've, like... Our modern culture has ruined literally everything, right? You know, and so so like like that's kind of just part of this thing is like red red has a, f- a flesh nature to it. So as we're celebrating the flesh, uh, you know, we can bring back Pink Father. <laughs> Us too. I'm just we'll saying. Well, you're probably you're gonna be one of those priests who's like, I don't wear pink, I wear rose. So you, you know, it's okay. <laughs> That'll be our next deeper dive. <laughs> Why I say pink and not rose, or vice versa. Do you, light, do you light the advent wreath in clockwise or counterclockwise? <laughs> yeah, I think we did that wrong. We don't. We didn't even do it clockwise. No, we did like we you know we did. I maybe it was we with one candle here and then we went like all the oh, way to the no, other you side. Jumped it. That's like we the jumped. only way to not do it. <laughs> <laughs> like we we destroyed that argument because we didn't either. You yeah, know, you're we were, welcome. <laughs> It was the shape of a cross. I mean, that's yes, we're wow. going. To, yeah, it, like, we, like it, the old Jack. school, like in the early church. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> All right, awesome. All right, Father Jack, can we get a blessing? Well, wait a minute. By today's count, I have, let's see. Bonaventure was mentioned twice, Aquinas twice, Athanasius three times, Jocko Willink one. The Cappadocian <laughs> Fathers won not one mention of a certain Spanish priest today. So for all of you playing the drinking game at home, I'm sorry. Not one mention. Oh, he's coming out on Christmas. Don't worry. Uh, our help is in the name of the Lord. You're made heaven and earth. By the power of Christ's incarnations, may the blessing of mighty God come down upon you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.